Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, It is so good to be with you guys. I gotta tell you, for me and for my family, it doesn't feel like Christmas, so we've all gathered together as the church and just taken a moment, catch our breath, and go, what is this all about, right? And, and that's why I love Christmas. It is about traditions. I'm not huge into traditions, but at Christmas time, that's what it's all about. And, and no doubt you have those things as well, those things where unless you do them, it doesn't really feel like Christmas. And perhaps you tried to go one year without doing all of your traditions, and then in January you're like, man, where did the time go? It just didn't feel like it was Christmas. Like, there's movies that we gotta watch, and until you watch those movies, it doesn't feel right. And, and I watch movies, and there's a couple books, Christmas books that I read, and, and it feels like Christmas. And, and one of the traditions that we're split on, and I, and I can illustrate this, uh, wherever you're at, uh, if you're watching one of our campuses, go ahead and play along. By show of hands, How many of you are the kind of people that you make and send a Christmas card out? Go ahead, raise your hands, look around, and watch how everyone else is judging you. (laughs) Can you feel it? Oh, it's so thick, it's great, right? Two different kinds of people there, like the Christmas card makers and everyone else, you know, who thinks you're ridiculous. And, and here's the deal, I didn't grow up with Christmas cards. I was never the cute kid in a Christmas card. Uh, I was not our family's thing. I married into the tradition though. And so I remember we got married and then we had our first child. And uh, one day we're like at, at family pictures and we're all dressed up and I'm like, what's this for? And my wife's like, Christmas cards. And I'm like, wait, we're, we're those people? Like we're, we're doing that now? And, and every year since then we get together and we send out a card. and. And uh, here's what you may not realize if you see uh, the final product, is that the day that you take the photo for the Christmas card is one of my least favorite days of the entire year. I hate it because I have five kids, trying to get five kids to all look at the camera and smile at the same time without killing each other or pulling articles of clothing off or something is nearly impossible. And so I have the memory of what went into taking the photo and then when I see the final product, I feel a little disingenuous. You know, like that's not what our family looks like but our photographer is really good and she can make us look like that and and there's just something to that, right? Where it's like, that's not quite reality. Now I came across a family, uh, the Stanleys, And a number of years ago, back in 2014, they decided they were gonna send out a Christmas card. Uh, But what they realized is they couldn't get a a perfect one. And so instead of continuing to try over and over again, they thought, let's just hype this up and have fun with it. And so the dad had some Photoshop skills and so said, let's really accent the fact that our family's a little bit crazy. And so I wanna show you the Christmas card that they came out with. And if you look at the details of this, You can see there's like a whole story unfolding in this one card, and I I love this. Uh, But here's what I think is the best. You can see, you know, all the animations in the background, but if you can see their facial expressions in the front, this is what taking a Christmas photo feels like. It is that emotion captured in these faces, and they just said, this is our card. We're sending this one. Uh, We're gonna go for it. Uh, Each year they kept doing it, and it kept getting better and better. A couple years later, 2016, this was the one. Now the kids are on top of the house, 
They have, you know, got the ladder up there. They've got their whole giant sign for Santa. And now you've got both parents practically running, uh, you know, to go and get their kids off the roof. And again, I thought that's very creative. Uh, as I was looking through them, though, I think this year is the best year that they've done yet. And so I want to show you uh, 2019. There's so much happening in this photo. <laughs> This is like the gift that keeps on giving. You just keep finding new things. So fly like Santa, and then you have the littlest hanging from a drone uh, over the driveway. One child, looks like the oldest, is flying the drone. Another child is the air traffic controller, you know. The dog's even like, uh, this is like bad. This shouldn't be happening. But the best part is if you can see the parents running in and the dad is full extension, like he's an outfielder and playing baseball to go and get his child. And if you zoom in on this, <laughs> this is Christmas, guys. This, I can relate with this. I know that feeling. And uh, so again, I don't know what your Christmas has been like. That's what it feels like for me. And so I wanna say to you, Merry Christmas, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome to Abundant Life, to those in the room with me, to those of you who are watching or listening online, however you got here, we're so glad that you're here. My name is Jeremy, the lead pastor here, and if you are new with us, we are a church about giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. And we're so grateful that you're a part of this. If you came today and you brought a Bible, I wanna encourage you to get that out. Uh, you may know that we use them every single week here, so I encourage you, we're gonna be in Luke chapter one. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine, you can listen in and I will read it for us. But if you came prepared for that, you can get a Bible out. Go to Luke chapter one. Uh, you can get a physical Bible if you brought one. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you've got a Bible app on a phone, you can get that out and get your spot there as well. One of the traditions my family has uh, is we watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. And I love this, it's very short, but it's so sweet and it always kind of makes me feel like it's really Christmas. And, and yet, my favorite character is, is a character that's easy to overlook. Uh, it's the character Linus. I love Linus. Linus is like Charlie's go-to friend. He's always around, he's always helpful, he's level-headed, and he helps you know, Charlie navigate the different things that are going on. And, and in case you're wondering like which one is Linus, Linus always has a blanket with him. It's his little blue security blanket. And I love this because there's just something about being a kid that is captured in this character of Linus. Now, there's actually a book uh, that is all about Linus and his blanket, and uh, a few of these pages helps to illustrate why does Linus have a blanket, what's going on here. So I wanna read to you a couple pages of this book. It says, this is Linus. Linus loves his blanket more than anything in the world. Remember being a kid, you had something like that? His blanket is soft. It makes him feel happy. He likes the way the fabric feels against his cheek. It makes him feel calm. When Linus holds his blanket, catch this line, he feels like everything will be all right, no matter what happens. What could possibly go wrong? Well, his sister, Lucy, however, thinks differently. His blanket annoys her. Don't we all have a sister Lucy, metaphorically, right? When are you going to get rid of that silly blanket, she asks. It's not silly, Linus replies. It makes me feel happy. Maybe if you had a blanket, you wouldn't be so crabby. <laughs> crabby? Who's crabby, Lucy shouts. Well, I guess from now on, I'll keep my suggestions to myself, thinks Linus. 
I love this. Like, I love the heart of a child who's got his little security blanket. He knows that this is gonna make the world right when I have this blanket by my side. And here's what I'd like to submit to you today. I think every single one of us, no matter what your age, I think every single one of us has a security blanket. Now, some of us, uh, as kids, maybe you literally had one and you're like, yeah, I was that kid. And for me, the reason why I think I relate with Linus so much, I was that kid. I grew up with a blue blanket, I kid you not. Now, I tried to find the blanket to see if it was some box, you know, tucked away somewhere, and there was a lot of debate between my mom and my wife as to who's responsible for losing it. We couldn't figure it out, so I don't have it, but I found one better. I found a photo of me, pre-digital days, I found a photo of me holding my beloved blanket. So I'd like to take you back to my childhood, and here's a younger version of me with my security blanket. Thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. Now, a couple things I'd like to point out about this photo. Number one, I'm not sure why I needed a don't give up shirt when I was five. Don't remember my childhood being particularly difficult, but evidently I knew this thing is gonna be hard. You're gonna need this advice later in life. Just take this photo. I don't know why I'm posing for uh, pictures with no pants on (laughs) or why I thought it was a good idea to show you this photo now, but it feels like we're all friends and we're safe. And and so I just wanna illustrate, for me, I, I literally had this blanket, some of you did as well, but here's what I would suggest, is that all of us have something, but most of us, as we have aged, have moved beyond a blanket and we have adopted something else. And there's something else that we use for security. They might be thinking, I, I don't think that's me. I don't, I don't think I have anything like that. Well, how would you know? Well, answer this question, right? This is Linus's argument. What makes you feel like everything will be all right? That's how Linus thinks of his blanket. I think it's a great definition to use. What makes you feel like everything will be all right? Now, the answer for most of us is obviously coffee. Can I get an amen, right? <laughs> Give me some coffee, the world's gonna be fine. That's all I need. Uh, Maybe for you, it's like Netflix. You know, I don't know uh, what your thing of choice is. You go, when I have that, everything's gonna be all right. But I think we all have something. For many people, if we were to be honest, it's our job. My job is what makes me feel like everything's gonna be all right. I can pay the bills. I can find some identity, some purpose. I feel like the world is right when I, you know, I have a good job and, and I have value in that. It makes me feel like everything's all right. Maybe for, for you it's not a job. Maybe it's your family. Maybe when you are around your family, everything feels like it's gonna be all right. Maybe that's why you love Christmas, because you get to get everyone together and there's just no feeling like that. Or maybe you are longing for your family this time of year because you know the way you feel when everyone is around. Or maybe for you, it's the success that you've had in your life, your, your past accomplishments, and you go, oh, this is what makes me feel like everything's gonna be, look what I have done. But I think for a lot of us, if we were to be honest, it's something we haven't yet got. See, our blanket would be that thing that we're waiting to happen, we're waiting till we get, and when we get that thing, then we know everything will be all right. And so your blanket might be some future thing that you are waiting until that condition is met, and when it is, you know the world's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. You just need that thing. And isn't that what Christmas is all about? Right? Isn't it all about getting the things that you, that you want so badly? Isn't that the spirit of Christmas? I mean, when we were kids, we grew up, we make these elaborate lists for Santa. 
And then we get older and we make these elaborate lists and give them to other people, right? We just keep it going. Here's what I need and if I get this. And, and we have this idea that when I get that thing, when I get a little bit more, I'll have what I'm looking for. This is actually one of the oldest stories that, that you can find. It, it's in the opening pages of the Bible. In the book of Genesis, you have this story of, of two people named Adam and Eve who have everything. And God goes, look, I've taken care of you. I've provided for you. You can get it all, just don't eat from that one tree. It seems so simple. And yet, what's the one thing that they can't get out of their minds? That thing that they don't have. And so in Genesis chapter three, in verse one, you have this interesting setup uh, with this serpent that is tempting Adam and Eve and is trying to, to get them to realize they're missing something. It goes a little bit like this. Now when the serpent uh, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, this is Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? Why would God say that? What's he hiding from you? You see, the lie that this plants is that God is the one keeping you from what you want. And if this weren't for God, you would have what you should have. You would have it if it weren't for God. So go ahead and take it because you know best and you deserve it. And if you could just get it, everything would be all right. And so to Eve, this blanket is this fruit. If I just had that, Everything would be great, all my, all my problems, all, I mean, this would be solved. And so she believes the lie, she eats the fruit, and maybe you've heard how that story played out. It didn't go the way she envisioned. And it brings a whole bunch of other consequences, other realities with her. And yet that's the story you and I can easily get trapped in. I just need a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. You get it and you go, oh, that didn't, that didn't uh, work. So I need something else. I need, I need to try something else. And maybe that's just been your life. Just one thing after another, after another. And in the midst of that cycle, we find God doing something else. That God shows up and he, he's got a new idea of how to, how to meet us where we are. And so I wanna read to you, uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're gonna go in Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26. And here's where we're gonna see some of the Christmas story. And in particular, what we're gonna find here is God revealing his plan to a teenager named Mary. Now Mary's engaged uh, to be married to a guy named Joseph. She's got all of her life planned out. All the future is planned out. They have sent the invitations. They have got the wedding registry all done. I mean, everything is set. Her life is in motion. It's gonna be incredible. Except God's got this really unique idea. And in the midst of that, God decides he's gonna show up. He's gonna do something else. So if you would get your Bibles out, go to Luke chapter one, verse 26. And here's what we find God is up to in the midst of all this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary's like, yes, this is so awesome. No, watch her reaction, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled. We skip over that part of the Christmas story. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Oh, this is so good. And we love this part. And it's Christmas time. Yeah, God's going to show up. This is so great. This is good news. Unless you're Mary. And then it doesn't sound like good news. See, Mary's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You want to do what? You're going to become one of us? And I'm supposed to birth that person? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What on earth are you? And how is this going to? I mean, Mary's got questions. Mary's got uncertainties. And notice, uh, God doesn't go to Joseph first. He goes to Mary first. Joseph's not here. She's got to be wondering, is Joseph going to be on board with this? Am I going to do this by myself? Like, like my whole future, my whole life is, is, is kind of probably ruined from her point of view of what she was planning. And so we have to realize that Jesus was born in the midst of controversy to an unwed mother who was likely a teenager. Does that sound like good news to you? And this is what Mary has got to grapple with. Now, what would be the logical response if you're Mary? Right? Here's how we envision this. I know Mary's thinking, okay, you know what? About a couple thousand years from now, this will make an awesome Christmas song. They will sing about me, and it's going to be so... No, she's not thinking that. Mary is afraid. She's scared. How do I know that? What does the angel say to her? Mary, do not be afraid. She's probably quivering. She's probably terrified. She's got that look on her face. The angel's like, I know. I know this is a lot. Do not be afraid. Mary is filled with uncertainties of what does this mean? And you and I can relate with that. Because you and I know what it feels like to have fear, to have those things that we're, we're not quite sure about. Now, when we're kids, we name our fears and we own it and we're proud of it. Yeah, I'm afraid of that. I'm not good at that. But as adults, we go, nah, I'm not really afraid of anything. We, we try to, to be more discreet about it. But here's how you can figure out what you're afraid of is what are you uncertain of? What are those uncertainties in your life? And maybe use more adult words like, I'm just a little bit anxious about, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, right? We don't use afraid, but if we're honest, it's, it's fear. That, like this might not play out the way that I hope it plays out. And I began to make a list of what these might be. And I don't know which one of these it would be for you, but around Christmas time, a lot of people are afraid of their finances. Maybe you feel like you overextended yourself or you planned some vacation. You're going, I don't know how we're gonna pay for this in January, and maybe you have a fear there of, of your finances. Maybe you have a health situation. And, and, and in 2019, you got some surprise that you weren't ready for, and you don't know what it means now. And you don't know how to navigate it. It's you or someone close to you, and you're trying to figure out what do we do with this. Maybe there's some relational issue there that you have a friend or someone close to you, and, and things aren't the way they should be, and, and you don't know how to fix that tension. And so you're wondering, is this, is this gonna get better? Are we gonna fix this relationship? Or maybe for you, especially at Christmas time, you're, you're afraid of being alone, right? And you know what it feels like to be alone and you look at everyone else and you go, is this always gonna be my reality? Does everybody else get family? Everyone else gets friends? But, but I have to experience this time alone again. Maybe there's a hurt that you've been working on getting over, but it keeps following you. It keeps coming with you. You brought it with you today. And you're thinking, is this always gonna be with me? Is this always gonna be my story? 
For you, it might be your kids. Maybe they're making some decisions that, that make you really nervous or uncomfortable, or maybe they don't wanna have the kind of relationship with you that you wanna have, and, and so you wonder where that's gonna go. Maybe you're looking at 2020 and you're going, man, this year did not play out the way I thought it would. What is next year gonna hold? And I don't know if I'm ready for this, and I don't know how this is gonna play out. Or maybe, if you're honest, your fear is of God. You're going, yeah, uh, look, I, I'm not worried about those stuff. I'm actually worried about God because I think God looks a little bit judgmental. I think God looks a little bit angry. I think God's a little bit distant, and, and that's not a, a real warm view of God. And maybe you're afraid of the church. Maybe you're afraid of Christians because of what has been said to you or what you have seen. And if that is you, I want to applaud you and thank you for being here today. Thank you for uh, uh, inviting us to, to hopefully reframe this conversation, hopefully provide you with a different example uh, of what God intends for you. But the reality is, if we're willing to be honest, there's lots of things we're afraid of. We, we don't come out and say it, but we know what Mary is feeling. And I would suggest that this is the way we should read Mary's response here. Because Mary is looking at a whole bunch of uncertainty in her life, and she's got to grapple with all of it. And that is what makes her response so incredibly remarkable. Go with me in Luke chapter one. You look at verse 34 and you see Mary beginning to work this through. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is gonna have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And then catch verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. That is an incredible response when you're afraid. I don't know how this is gonna play out. I don't know about this, I don't know about that. Man, this, this is like going into the unknown here, God. And she goes, all right, let it happen. What, what you have just said, this desire that you have for my life, I'm on board with it. L let's see how, how this plays out. Now, this should forever answer an age-old question that we have. Mary, did you know? Yeah, she, she knew, like Mary's aware. Uh, she probably didn't know all the details, right? We don't know how much she knew, but she had a general sense of what God was up to and, and she's not a victim of this. I'm not sure why we keep asking that question today, uh, but she's not like, oh man, woe is me. I just got dragged into this. No, she chose it. She got invited into the story and she said, yes, I wanna be a part of that. And that is why we can look at Mary and go, wow, she's a great example for us of how we can see the Christmas story and choose to be a part of it. The author Sarah Bessie describes Mary like this. It says, Mary stands not as a symbol for little ladies who need to accept suffering and oppression and unjust systems, but as an empowered woman, a prophet mother leading us directly into accepting the call to our place in God's story of redemption and renewal with all of the implications of that call. Mary offers us an example of how to say yes when God comes up with a plan for your life and God says, here's what I wanna do. Mary's the example, we go, oh, that's what it could look like if we were to say yes, even in the face of fear and the face of, of uncertainty. 
Now, if you compare this, it, it go back to Eve. What was Eve's response uh, when God had set everything up? Essentially, you could summarize it as, I need more. God, I need more. I know you've given us all this, but there's one tree over there that we can't have, and I need that tree. And until I get that fruit, my life won't be complete. Everything won't be all right. I need more than you want to give me. And, and in contrast, Mary says, may your word to me be fulfilled. If that's what you think is best, if, if that's what you want for me, then, then I'm on board. Let, let's, let's do it that way. And those two responses have dramatically different outcomes. Now, let's go back to my buddy Linus. One of the things I love about Linus is if you've ever seen a Charlie Brown Christmas, Linus has a key role uh, in this little movie and has a huge part. And so I wanna show you this scene. And, and if you've seen it before, no doubt, you're, you're probably aware of the scene I'm about to show. Uh, this is, is the beautiful part of this. He's gonna directly read from scripture. But here's what I want you to watch for. I want you to notice Linus's blanket. And I want you to notice what Linus does with it in particular. Check this out. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Aww. I don't know if you noticed it, but right when he gets to the part, again, he's directly reading from the text there, but right when he gets to the part, he says, fear not, and he drops the blanket. And, and the rest of it, he's, he's gesturing with his hands, and he gets so excited into the story that he can't hold the blanket because he's telling this story. And then at the end of it, he goes and he picks his blanket back up, and he walks off, and he goes back to being Linus. See, it's not like this is a moment of like complete character transformation. But what I think you get a glimpse of is as Linus is understanding this story, as he's embracing the story, he realizes that if you are seeing this, if you are aware of this, there's no room for fear. Like it just doesn't make sense. And so this security blanket that he always has with him, he doesn't need it when he's reading this story. And it's such a beautiful picture for us. And, and I think today it's a reminder that Christmas is God's response to our fear. Christmas is God looking at us going, I know you're afraid. I know you're uncertain. I know life feels like more than you can handle. I know that there's a lot of unknowns. And here's how I'm gonna respond. I'm not gonna solve it all for you, which maybe we prefer that. He, he decides, I'm going to be with you. I will walk it with you. I will be present with you. You don't have to wonder where I am. I'll be with you. 
And this is a game-changing revelation that Mary is starting to realize going, wow, if God is going to be with us, this changes everything. And in this light, what you could say is that the story of Mary uh, is going to redeem the story of Eve. That these two women with two radically different responses, that this new story is going to fix what was wrong with the first story. Now, I came across a quote that's uh, short, but it's incredibly profound, uh, connecting these two women together. It's from a guy named Rich Viotis. He says this, Eve came from Adam, but the new Adam came from the new Eve. Now, in case that's not familiar to you, the new Adam is Jesus, right? This is a new model of what does it look like because Adam was a broken example of this. The new Adam came from the new Eve, which is Mary, because Mary said yes. Mary said, I'm, I'm not gonna let fear shape me. I'm not gonna let fear make my decision. I decide to say yes. This is the great reversal of all that had gone previously. You can like read the entire Old Testament and go, wow, something has forever changed in this moment now that God is with us. The Christmas story is the unraveling of everything that had gone wrong before this. And when you look at these stories together, you realize, wow, this is something beautiful. There's a drawing that depicts this in a really powerful way. It's uh, from uh, Sister Grace Remington, and it's called Mary Comforts Eve. And I love this image. And, and so this is, you know, Eve and then Mary. And, and as far as we know, these two women never had a conversation. Their timelines are radically different. Uh, but it imagines what if they could talk together? What if they could share a moment? And I love the scene that is captured here. And my favorite part of this is, is you know, you see the, the shame and you know, her head, Eve's head is down. And this is a story of failure. It's a story of brokenness, of things that did not work out well. And yet you get this totally different posture as Mary invites her to experience Jesus in, in her womb. But my favorite part about this photo is if you look at Eve's feet, she's got this snake wrapped around both of her legs, symbolizing she could never break through this. But if you look over, the head of the snake is under Mary's foot. And it is this story that is finally breaking the hold of all that had kept us back before this. And it's a beautiful picture of how Mary says, you know what, this fear and this uncertainty will not keep me from realizing what God is doing in my midst. And I think the thing that we can take from Mary today is this, in the face of fear, choose to focus on Jesus. Now, you, if you decide you wanna follow Jesus and you're gonna, you're gonna try to be aware of what Jesus is doing, it's not gonna remove every fear in your life. It's not gonna remove every uncertainty in your life. And those of you who have tried this, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, yeah, I still have those same challenges. But what it does is it gives you an option to go, you know what, in the midst of this, I can choose to focus on the fact that Jesus is with me, that I'm not alone, and, and this is what allows me to navigate this fear. See, the gift of Christmas is that God is with us. That in the person of Jesus, we no longer need to be afraid. And here's what I believe, that every single one of you, every single one of you, God is at work in your life right now. God has been doing things, God has been moving, God has an incredible story he would love to tell with your life. And, and maybe you haven't seen that. Maybe you're unaware of that. You're like, what are you talking about? But maybe you have a sneaking suspicion of, yeah, I've, I've sensed a few things. 
I, I, I kind of see how there might be something going on there. I think God is at work in all of us. But what I think the, the decision is up to us of how will we respond to what God is doing? You see, God's at work in all of us. That's not something that only a few of us get. But the way we respond will determine whether or not we'll experience the story that God has for us. And so as you think about your life right now and what God might be doing in your life, are you responding like Eve? Which essentially just saying, I need more. God, this isn't enough for me. Unless you answer this prayer, unless you solve this problem, unless you get this for me, unless this condition is met, uh, I'm not gonna be okay with this. Are you essentially looking at God the same way that Eve did and saying, I'm just gonna need a little bit more? Because that story is a story we've seen and, and many of us, we've lived out that story. But there's another way to respond and in the face of whatever God is doing, you can say, you know what? I, I wanna respond the way Mary did and essentially say, God, may your word to me be fulfilled. What you wanna do in my life, may it come to be because I'm gonna say yes. I'm going to choose to be a part of this. I, I don't wanna miss this. And there's dramatically different results depending on which of these responses you make to what God is doing in your life. And if I could encourage us with anything today, this would be my encouragement. I think it's time to drop the blanket and accept the gift. See, I think what a lot of us try to do is we hold our security blanket in one hand, whatever that is for you, and then we reach out and go, okay, God, I'm ready. What do you have for me? And God's like, well, um, you're not gonna be able to hold this with one hand, so you have to let go of that so that you can hold what I'm about to give you. You're like, yeah, but I kinda like this. It makes me feel good, and, and this is my backup plan in case you don't show up. And in case you don't deliver, I don't wanna you know, have too much relying on you, so I'm gonna keep this because it makes me feel good. And we've gotta decide. You see, the reality is when you grow up, you know what you realize about a security blanket? It's a false sense of security. You get to a point as you grow up, you realize that blanket's not protecting me. It doesn't have any magical properties. It's nothing to it. It just makes me feel good. And for many of us, we've outgrown the security blanket, but we haven't outgrown our need for a false sense of security. See, a lot of us, we've just updated that blanket to something else, and we continue to put our trust in a false sense of security rather than letting it go and saying, God, what is it you wanna do? God, I know it might bring some fear, might bring some uncertainties, but if I'm acknowledging that you are with me and that you love me, that you are for me, and that God, you look like Jesus, if I'm gonna acknowledge that, I don't have to live in fear any longer. What would God do with your story if that were to be your posture, if you were to say, I don't need this blanket any longer, I choose to say yes to what God is doing. I wanna close with something that my friend Danielle Strickland says. She said this, invite love into the place that you are afraid to free you from its grip. This is the best news, that love has come and is with us now. No need to let fear lead anymore. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that love is with us now. Thank you that we don't have to wonder what you're like. We don't have to wonder if you're far away. We don't have to wonder if you're mad. We have seen you in the person of Jesus. And at this Christmas story, we can realize that you are now with us. You're not far away. And so we can go the road of Eve and we can think that we need more and that these other conditions have to be met and we can keep placing our, our trust in one false security after another and we can replace each blanket with something new. 
Or we can give that up and realize that you are inviting us to experience something better, to experience the great adventure if we would say yes to you the way that Mary said yes to you. And so I pray for all of us that fear would not shape our decisions, that we would embrace this story. We would be able to see what you are doing and what you continue to do. And that for whatever it is that you wanna do in our lives, that we would say yes. And we would get to experience you in remarkable ways. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.